Hi, this is Mark Ramsey. I'm executive director of the Ministry Collaborative, a project of Macedonian Ministry Foundation. This podcast was recorded before the implications of COVID-19 became widely understood. Uh, we even considered not uh, putting this podcast out. But then on second thought, one of the things we're emphasizing right now is our need as we deal with the day-to-day pain of this in personal and global ways to also understand how deep we need to go in understanding our identity as God's beloved people and our mission in the world to love the world as fully as we can. And so this podcast represents, hopefully, some conversation about those important things. Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. A series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. I'm Adam Mixon, content curator. I'm Adam Borneman, program director. I'm Jennifer Maxell, program curator. And I'm Mark Ramsey, executive director of the Ministry Collaborative. A project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation, the Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations. Committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Every day, we are inspired by ministry leaders from across the country who are exploring possibilities. Learning from broad perspectives. Taking risks. And who are eager to join candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hi, this is Mark Ramsey. I'm in a roundtable discussion today with Adam, Jennifer, and Adam. One thing that we are seeing a lot is that churches need to do less and do it deeper. It seems like churches are on this treadmill or this hamster wheel of trying to do everything all the time, meeting every constituency, meeting every need. They're exhausting themselves. There aren't enough volunteers to do it. There aren't enough people signing up to actually show up for the great ideas they have. And instead of actually focusing on nurturing deep faith, they're just scattered all over the place. Well, I think a lot of it comes from our... It seems like we've got away from this idea of being the church, and we've gotten caught up in the rhetoric of doing church, that it's not about who we are. It's not about the Christ shining and living through us, but it is in these acts that then goes back to, you know, this whole works idea, which is, you know, not what we're supposed to be doing exclusively. But I think that's where we get caught. And I think a lot of it is fear-based, that we are afraid of being irrelevant. We are afraid of people leaving. We are afraid of the church somehow dying, Mm -hmm. even though it's not our church. And so we get busy and we get active and we just start going, you know, in on the task of ministry, mm-hmm. it's kind of the, this understanding that 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 there's some virtue in busyness. Mm. That's kind of, um, I think, a trap that is set for us when we hear scriptures about becoming all things to to all people, so that we might save some. We think we think that 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 we have to be a mile wide, mm-hmm. even if that means we're only an inch deep. Mm-hmm. Somehow we have to you know, literally be all things to all people. And I think that's just a, you know, a bad idea and it wears us out. It wastes resources. And we end up in some ways undermining, uh, uh, to Jennifer's point, how we should be living. You know, now probably not popular for saying this, but I don't think a Christian gym needs to exist. (laughs) I think that Christians need to be in the gym. You know, if if you're going to reach folks, you need to be out where people are and not building little enclaves where you can hide out. 
from the very ones that you're supposed to be reaching. Yeah. Now, one, one of the things that makes us so complex is that I think that there was a time and a place, uh, particularly in this country, where you could over-program, and it kind of worked on paper, right? Because, you know, the, the church was still functioning as this accepted, expected institution in most communities where people were in and out all the time. You didn't think about, should I go to church? You just went and there was stuff to do. Um, and so it, in one sense, we can look back and say, you know, this did serve a purpose for a time to have these things. But for some reason, um, uh, we can pontificate a lot about this, but when the culture changed and people stopped finding these points of intersection, uh, so many churches went in the opposite direction. Well, let's get busier to fix the problem. And it was actually the, 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 the completely the opposite remedy. It should have been, let's go simpler and deeper. Um, so that's why it's, it's not that there never should have been a time for some of these things, but that time in most cases has probably passed. And so it's a matter of discerning not only what's happening in the culture, but also what, what has God been calling us to in the first place. I'm not sure I would have ever gone to a Christian gym, though. You're probably right about yeah. that. <laughs> and, and I do have to wonder if... Uh, if if, um, you know, maybe push back a little bit on that. I wonder how effective it was when it was being done, uh, you know, successfully. Mm -hmm. Were people cultivating deeper and richer spirituality? Were they living more faithfully? Great question. Yeah. And I think in some cases it was fine. I, I grew I always say I grew up in, uh, the middle part of the country in the middle part of the last, uh, century, with a church that was a program church and did mostly all things to all people, youth group, choirs, everything else. And I think at least I gained some identity from that. Whether it worked or not, I'm sure there's a lot of places it didn't work. I think we can be clear that it's not working anymore. In our work in the ministry collaborative, we work with a lot of pastors and cohorts of pastors and a lot of congregations. I was with a congregation not long ago that was brainstorming for a retreat they were going to have with their leaders. And they said, we have all these great ideas, and they listed some, and they were amazing ideas, both things that would reach their members and the community. And then they had this forlorn look on their face, and I said, is it that no one is signing up to go to these things, these great ideas, or that no one's going to help you implement the great ideas? And they said, yes, to both of those. Um, there is a sense in which... There are people who keep trying and they think if only we find the golden idea, then everything will start fitting together again. And that's just not working. A lot of the uh, pa- pastors um, in our program that I talk to, it's um, trying to prepare the buffet is killing them. You know, this idea that if we just put out this amazing buffet of kind of mediocre food, that some of it will be good for some folks. And um, not only is that uh, proving to not be true and ineffective, but but it's crushing them because they're feeling this enormous responsibility to constantly provide that. And by the way, to 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 expand it, to extend it, to always be adding more items, even though we know um, that in most cases it's um, largely ineffective. Well, I think the really, if we look at what we had in terms of the church's all thing to all people, really it was an effort to create community. And, you know, before the internet and, you know, tele-evangelism, and we could just discuss that at a different time. <laughs> Let's discuss it now. <laughs> um, one of the things that 
um, we, we had were missional churches where your church and the menu of offerings on the buffet was determined by the community you were in. Mm. And so a rural church had different offerings than an urban church, for example. You know, depending on what denomination or who made up that church, there were different offerings. Now what we see is kind of the democratization of busyness, where you have the <laughs> mega church and the church plant. You've got 20 p- people trying to implement the same programs that 2,000 people are offering because there's this idea that everybody needs a coffee station. Everybody needs a youth church. Everybody needs a bowling night on Thursdays. And so it's no longer our this particular church in this particular community with this particular mission reaching out to these particular people need these particular things. It's like, okay, well, we're a church and we need to have all of this stuff. And so since every church has to have all of this stuff, let's kill ourselves trying to trying to meet it. And I think the more individual churches are able to really assess their mission and in a lot of cases reassess their mission as the communities Mm -hmm. that they serve have changed to reassess what is it that we are called to do in this specific community. And Jennifer, as you're saying that, the image I got was churches tried to become shopping malls where they could go to one place, park, and then get everything. Mm -hmm. If there's one marketing business institution in this culture that is at high risk right now, it's, it's shopping mall. malls. Yeah. They are being decimated and broken apart. Mm-hmm. You've leaned actually in the direction of what I was thinking about, the fact that we are, are kind of um, wed to this idea of competing and, and in some ways not competing against the world's offerings, but competing against the church down the street, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that I think the Ministry Collaborative is offering that is uh, transformative. It, it moves from this this era of uh, competing denominationally, competing with the you know that other church that's down the street, to to a realm of collaboration and complement. Where no, as a um, local fellowship, we don't have to be all things to all people, but there is a church up the street where they love Jesus, mm-hmm. where if that is a need that has to be served in your life or in your family, then it's there. And there's no sense of loss there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a win so long as people's needs are being met. It's One of the, one of the ways yeah. I think this ends up looking very, um, when I imagine what you're describing, Adam, is it, to me it looks like when someone arrives at some sort of ministry setting, maybe a church worship service on a Sunday morning or whatever it might be, that the people of that faith community know how to take someone in a clear direction of discipleship, that, that rather than handing them um, a, a huge pamphlet with, with a thousand opportunities, it's to say, well, where are you? How can I walk with you right now in, in a direction where we can... Uh, follow Christ together with this community. Mm-hmm. It, it's a radical simplification of what discipleship looks like rather than just offering things. Or, I mean, God forbid, if a pastor says, you know what, I know there's somebody in this city or somebody in this community who can better serve you, who who has access or resource that would be um, beneficial to you. So I'm going mm-hmm. to send you to them. Well, Mark has a history of sending people to other churches. So. <laughs> <laughs> On purpose? <laughs> but literally, you've done that. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that resonates as we talk to our pastors and congregations is a pretty simple f- phrase. 
if church, going to church feels like the rest of your life, no one needs to go to church. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about competition, work, to-do lists, sign-up sheets, harping on people that they haven't signed up. That's unfortunately what a lot of our congregations have devolved into, chasing this model. And that feels like the that feels like everybody's PTA sign up, homeowners association, every other thing they have to do. There's only a few reasons to go to church. I think they're the most essential ones. But if we keep mimicking what people are trying to experience or are experiencing every place else, they don't need church. Well, and there is an aspect to that is, you know, the church's club where you have to come and get a membership and you join and you have to make good on the benefits that come with that membership. Um, I was just watching a show, a new show on Netflix, um, relatively new, I would say. Um, It's called Virgin River. And in the show, it's in a rural area and they have a really bad storm. And when the storm comes, all the power gets knocked out and the whole town gathers, but they gather at a bar at a local bar. Mm-hmm. And there's several instances where the community has to come together. And it really struck me that in this community, nobody goes to the church. There is no church. There's no church mentioned. You don't even see a church steeple on the side of the road. That now the place of community and gathering has become a bar. And the the reality is the bar is open. People go in it's open to everyone. You grab a seat and the scene, you know, there are some people that are playing cards. There's some people reading books. There are some people sitting by the fire, you know, having a beverage. And what really struck me is at what point did we move away from the idea of church as community, mm-hmm. true community where we live in love and charity with one another, where we don't have to earn our place. We don't have to work for our place. You know, sometimes it's like you go to a new church you're just visiting and you walk in the door and it's like, ooh, you look like you're under 50 and you've got children. Let's put you to work. And, you know, this idea of just being someplace where you can be, again, going back to this idea of us being the church mm-hmm. and us being Christians and not having to work for and earn what we have, you know, really gotten freely. I think what's hard is that, um, you know, to... to to the credit of, of so many pastors we work with, you know, they, we get caught in a system where we're actually, we are aspiring to do that, but we have kind of um, accepted this mandate that the way to do that is to create lots of things. And so sometimes, you know, the busyness in the sense of community stands against one another. Other times we're trying to align them and it just, it just doesn't work. Um, you know, one of the things we're, uh, we're seeing um, even even in the research is that it, actually people do want a very <laughs> simple uh, existential encounter in faith. They actually do want that. And, and the concern is that when we try to create other things to push them in that way, we risk distracting them from that thing. So it's, it's a delicate balance and a delicate sort of recentering of how, of how we do that. Um, but I, but you know, back to um, Mark's point, too, to follow yours, Jennifer, is, you know, we have to somehow accept that it, it may have been it may used to have been the case that we had a bunch of things that pushed people in that direction because the the cultural baseline sort of allowed us to be able to do that. But we no longer have the best show in town in all these categories. Right. So why pretend we do? You know, it goes back to the, the uh, leaders you met with recently, Mark, where they have they actually have good ideas. 
But these forms of things, they're not the best thing. And, and all of them exist five minutes down the street. And so you're really only left with a couple of key things, uh, this idea of being the community of Jesus Christ. And somehow the approach has to be not so much how can we move people in that direction with all these things, but how can we make that the clearest thing? And that's not easy. I'm, I'm very empathetic with my colleagues around the country who are wrestling with that. It's hard to do. Speaking of community, there's a website, The Best Places to Cry in New York City. It was started by a woman who was having a particularly bad day after breaking up with a significant other, and she tried to find a place in New York City to cry. So she developed a list. On the list are the Build-A-Bear Workshop on 6th Avenue, an AT&T store, a bank lobby, and a, a subway train. Nowhere on the list of like 30 places to cry in New York City is there one church listed. What has happened that we've gotten so busy that at times of tenderness and vulnerability, church isn't the first thing people think of? I just, I do wonder, and it goes to what you were saying, Mark, and then also what Jennifer said. Um, Do we trust spirit enough that gave birth to the church that our doing flows from our being and not the converse? Mm -hmm. You end up with nothing but frustration and bitterness because it's self-referential, it's self-generated, it's self-sustained. You have to be there to do it and make it happen. But if you're just being, if you're just in community, if you're just in fellowship and the ministry follows that fellowship, then you have something that is kind of got an internal dynamics. It just keeps rolling, which means that it changes. It's reflective of the needs of a particular community at any given time. So you don't have to program toward it. You just kind of kind of live in it. Well, and I think it goes back to that idea of mission, that in a society where loneliness is one of the biggest issues that people struggle with, that a place to be among other people who are being is a real need. And I think sometimes we don't recognize that as the need and um, the innovation that a space to be in safety um, is. And, you know, it's a natural for us. I think it's one of those things that we kind of take for granted. Um, But I think it goes back to you know, the core of who we are called to be um, with one another in Jesus Christ. And this may be where we have to leave it, but there is a risk in every congregation in to, to stop doing things. There's always a fear that if we stop doing things, then no one will be attracted. No one will come. We have to trust what you just said, is that there is a compelling pull on people to be in community and actually to to bring themselves to the claims of the gospel. If we don't believe that, we've got much bigger problems than doing less and going deeper. Mm. We've got we've got to do that. But there is a huge risk in finally saying we're gonna stop the hamster wheel and trust this deeper well. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. Our producer is Marthame Sanders. To find out more about us and our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org. 